Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or Vibin' Through the Book, 10 Minutes at a Time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where Joseph's brothers get blessed by God, but then, because of guilt, they try to return the blessing. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 43, verses 16 to 34. Today, my guest is... Benjamin Williams, who's actually showing up in the narrative of today's story. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Ben. Yeah, you know, I like to make my appearances in scripture. You're, you're one of those lucky guys. You get some screen time, <laughs> that 15 minutes of fame in the Bible. So uh, mm-hmm. where we left off in the story last, uh, there's a famine. Uh, the brothers are sent back to Egypt because they got to get some food. They're scared. Simeon's been in prison. And then finally, they arrive at the house. And of course, they're ridden with guilt because they found money in their bags. And they're like, oh, Oh my goodness, I swear we didn't try and steal them. We didn't steal the money. We didn't steal the food. We're coming back. Here's the money that you deserve. And then what does the servant say? I think the servant basically is just like, ah, eh, don't worry about it. God gave you your stuff because I have your money. Don't worry about it. And they just like move on. <laughs> I thought it was just so anticlimactic. He's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, and it's just interesting. You think, or at least the way the, the narrative is kind of pictured, is that these brothers were really stressed about this, right? And yeah. and I, I know that there have been moments in my life where I'm really, really stressed about an outcome. This last week was one of those. Uh, we did mm. the empty pews to million views challenge. You know, this obviously people will be hearing this episode after the challenge has been concluded but this week was a very tense and stressful week for me just not knowing what the outcome was and then hey what do you know god worked it all out it's okay yeah yeah and by the way that was great like that thing that you did the empty pews to a million views that was great <laughs> i i participated and i loved it not to plug you too much but it was okay. great well thank you but i appreciate the, it but looking into this narrative i think you're right like when we don't know what's going to happen it's easily it's easy to get stressed and it's especially easy to get stressed when somebody powerful summons you and you don't know their intentions. Yeah. I can think of, uh, I mean, I'm a pastor in the Hawaii conference, right? And we have a president mm-hmm. who's a very nice man. Like he's kind. I know that his intentions are always good. 
And yet, if I'm doing something and I look back at my phone and I see I have a missed call from Ralph Watts, I am immediately in just dread. Like, why did he call me? What does he want? Is he firing me? I don't know what I did. I don't think I did any wrong, but what if somebody, what if I did on accident? Now I'm fired. What do I do? Like, like, and it's just irrational at some level. But the minute that someone who has power over my life summons me, calls Mm. me, anything like that, Hmm. yeah, I'm automatically stressed. Let let me ask you a question. Let's say that you had a close family member or a best friend even who was your boss. And then you got a missed mm. call from them. Do you think that you would still, because because they're still in this position mm-hmm. of authority over you, over you, but there's there's a there's an added complexity to your relational component where you're actually like really mm. close, you're homies. Do you think if you got the missed call from your boss who happens to be your best friend or your brother or something like that, do you think that you'd feel stressed about it still? I actually don't think so. And this, I I have kind of a little bit of a, I don't know, life life story about this where there was one point when I was at Andrews, I was in the seminary and my friend became the dean, the Ooh. dean of like the boys dorm. And I remember thinking like one time the, uh, the other dean who I didn't know as much, he called me and I remember I was super stressed. I didn't even, I didn't even necessarily live in the dorm. I lived in campus housing, like on campus. And I was stressed because this other guy called me. And then I remember I saw another message or another voicemail or another uh, missed call from my friend Taylor Bartram. If Taylor Bartram listens to this, I don't know shout if he does, out. but if you do, shout out Taylor Bartram, T Barty, as we call him. Uh, if he's listening, he called too. And I remember seeing the missed call from him. And immediately I was like, oh, everything's totally fine when Taylor called. He's the dean too, like the under dean, but he's the dean. And even though he called, I didn't. I mean, I was like, he's probably just calling the troll or he needs something or whatever. No matter what it is, I know it's all good because Taylor has my best interest. I know him. Like I know even like, let's say I did something wrong. Taylor's calling to just see what happened. Like he would never (laughs) call me for any negative reason. Sure. But then the fact that Donnie had called, I was super stressed. I was like, I don't know what he wants. What if, I mean, what if I did again, like these, like these weird things go through your mind. So yeah, like the relationship to the authority figure is extremely important because if you don't know the intentions, super scary. Yeah, and, and, and I think that this is exactly what is one of the themes at least that's present in this narrative is like, well, clearly the brothers don't know. And we talked mm-hmm. about this in a previous episode. Like Joseph very likely is just trying to hook the family up. He hasn't done the great reveal yet. He's still testing their, you know, their, uh, their, their compassion or have they changed. And yet in the middle of all that, they're still his family. So he wants to take care of them. He gives them a bunch of money kind of, you know, secretly or whatever the case is, but because they don't know who he is, they don't know his true heart, they don't recognize mm-hmm. the familial bond that is actually already there, they're filled with guilt and fear, they're filled with condemnation, even though they've received a good thing. And it, I just think how funny it is that the servant is the one who does like the great reveal. Maybe the servant like is on the same page as Joseph or maybe he's not. I don't know. But like he inadvertently says exactly what the theme of Genesis has been all about. Your mm-hmm. God, the God of your father has put treasure in the sacks for you. Like God, your God is blessing you right now. And that's 100% true. It is God who's fulfilling the promise of his blessing. Yeah. And, and you think like, what if what if they would have known hmm. like that their brother was the one that was Ooh. actually in control of this? Like one, I mean, I think we could obviously go to, well, they might've been afraid because they did these things to their brother. But like, what if sure. they understood that like who, even who their brother was to them, yeah. they probably would have been like, I mean, just thriving since the beginning, like excited to go back and get a good meal. And this brings my mind automatically to 
How many people in this world are afraid and kind of distant from God because they don't understand who he is to them? Yeah. This is is one of the themes that we're talking about in internet church this weekend, which if you're listening to this, even when this episode comes out, it's too late. We, you missed it. You must have signed up for the text (laughs) message. Sorry. We, I should have planned ahead earlier. We did that well last time, but my bad. Um, the theme of it, we're, we're drawing to attention is the fact that Jesus is not ashamed to call his brothers. Yeah. And sometimes even with Jesus, like we're still afraid to approach him. How, you, you ask the question, how would they have lived differently if they knew it was his brother? And if they knew that Joseph had a tender heart towards them, maybe, maybe they would enter into the throne boldly. Right? Yeah. Like, isn't that something that the New Testament talks about? How we can enter mm-hmm. boldly knowing that God is on our side? And, it, and it's just so interesting that when we have the distorted view of God, when we don't understand our relationship to him, the closeness that we have, you're right. Like we stay out in the famine. We, we just, we're, yeah. we're suffering unnecessarily because of what? Because of a lie. Yeah. We miss out on so many blessings and in this story, I think we we do a similar thing. We're even afraid of the blessings that he gives. Yeah. Like when God's like, man, I want to bless you. I want to give you all of these things. We're like, um. What's the catch? What's the catch? Because there has so to be So that then I serve you? Like, is it like, <laughs> is it like some manipulative thing with you, God? Right. Like, are you trying to get me to give up things that I enjoy? And over and over, like this problem comes up when we don't understand who God is. Mm. And I think this puts on my heart, and I don't know about you, Justin, or the listeners, but like this puts on my heart, man, my one of my main goals is to give people a true picture of who God is. Yeah, Because if people can have a picture of who God is, then maybe they'd be willing to actually accept the amazing mm. blessings he wants to give them in their life yeah. and stop living in such a way that they're afraid of this amazing gift giver who gave his life and literally created the whole world. Like maybe if they could just see who he really was, they'd be able to actually open their hands and say, thank you. Yeah. It reminds me of a story from, I don't know, five or six years ago. I went to a conference uh, for YouTubers actually. And I got hmm. to meet this young lady and we were hanging out in the lobby of the, uh, of the hotel with like a small group. All the people that were there for the conference were hanging out. And somehow she and I ended up having a conversation about faith and stuff like that. I think it was because she asked me about what my YouTube was about. And so um, she ended up, you know, confessing that, you know, she was raised in the church, but had, you know, as, as of, you know, her adult life left the church because of whatever reasons. And when I asked her, I was like, oh, like what was, what was, what was the thing that led you to make that decision? One of the major things that she said was that she just could not understand how the God of the Bible could like be this great, you know, this great person, this great Mm. being, this, you know, great characteristics and simultaneously, you know, consciously torment people in hell forever and ever and ever and ever again. And now, you know, I know that you and I, Ben, we belong to a community where we would actually say, amen. Yes, I agree with Mm -hmm. that conundrum. And we think that there's a more compelling, more accurate interpretation of all of these passages about hell. That's much more flattering. But I just, I just asked her a question. I said, huh, that's interesting. And, and, I, and I just said, you know what? That's interesting because I actually agree with you. I don't, I don't think that the Bible paints that picture of God. And I just asked her, like, how would you possibly, like, what would you feel of a God who didn't do that? And I shared, you know, kind of, you know, two or three verses, a little bit of a Bible study with her. And her conclusion was, wow, I've never thought about it that way before. Mm. And it was one of those things where you could tell it was really a lot of food for thought. But, but just the idea of, like, when we distrust God's character— I get why it's difficult to to be excited about yeah. hanging out with him because you're you're living in constant fear and anxiety. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if we live in like guilt, fear, and, and condemnation, then you're right. Like the minute that I go to church, then I'm more worried than any other time in my life. Mm. Rather than when I go to church, I feel like this is the place that I'm accepted, known, right. and actually made right more than anywhere else. Like I think often the church and God's presence, like it's obviously supposed to be a place of blessing and rest, but for a lot of people, because of a misunderstanding of who God is, like you're saying, it's actually the place where they feel the most anxiety and fear in their entire life. And that is so sad. And it's like, it's this idea of, man, I just want people to know who God is in the same way that if somebody was like, if I talked to somebody and I was like, do you know Justin Koo? And they were like, yeah, man, I hate being around him because he's super scary. Like, I'm, I never really know if he's going to hit me or like yell at me. Oh, no. Like, I would want to correct their view because I'm like, no, actually hanging out with Justin is great. Like, I want you to actually understand who he is so you don't have to live this weird, this weird life. Like, who told you those things about him? Hmm. And I think for me, again, like I, in the same way I would want to correct their, I, their understanding of who you are, like, I want to help people understand who God is because being in his presence is the actual mm. best thing about my life. Yeah. And if people think that that's a scary place to be, like I don't I don't want them to have to live in that misconception anymore. I want them to be able to actually have the gift that I've received. Amen. Amen. So so on that note, uh Joseph does this very interesting thing and I, I don't know if you you felt like there was connections to that last supper right before the cross as well, mm. but but there's this thing where Joseph now actually gets to put on kind of the the garments of Jesus as it were, he gets to role play a little bit, do some foreshadowing. And I mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, what do you feel like this the the way that Joseph interacts with the brothers now in this part of the story, what does that reveal about the character of God and who God is? Cuz mm. cuz it's funny you and I, before we started recording, we were actually making fun of Joseph a little bit <laughs> for being a yeah. bit of a crybaby. Because like in this passage and <laughs> the previous passage and other passages, we're going to see Joseph is crying all the time. And and maybe yeah. that's maybe more a commentary on the Western view of masculinity that you and I would find that funny. True. <laughs> True. And instead, which now when I'm choosing to think about it more intentionally is to say, huh, that's revealing a tender heart. That's yeah. a good thing, not something to be mm-hmm. mocked like you and I were doing before the, <laughs> he turned on the cameras. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, even when he cries in this passage, he cries because he's like, sees his little brother and it says like his heart is so warmed with compassion, he has to flee the room and he cries. And then when he comes back, he has to literally, it says control himself <laughs> because he's so emotional because, I mean, if you can imagine, man, he like misses these guys, loves them so much, even despite what's happened, he cannot control himself. And I think, again, it's such an opposite picture of what we have of God. Like people think that when God enters the room and they're in it, like he's like steaming with anger and he's like, why the heck have you been doing the things you've been doing? Like, I know everything you've done. I can't believe you. You're a disappointment. You're a sinner. You're unworthy, but I guess I'll figure out a way to save you if you just shape up. Right, right, right. And I think that this picture of Joseph heart, Joseph's heart is the picture of God's heart. When he walks in a room with you, hmm. his heart is so warmed with compassion. He can't control himself, but cry because of his love for you. Hmm. Like, I think sometimes we miss this picture of God's heart that is like so warm and tender towards us that we think his first thought is all of these negative things we've ever done. But in reality, his heart is moved with compassion so much that those things don't even enter into his mind. Hmm. Like there's not even a split second where he thinks any of the things that we often put on him. Right. And I would say that I don't even blame you for 
putting those things on God because they're things that have been put on him from the very beginning. It's literally Lucifer is, and sin's actual goal is for you to not know God's heart towards you. And that's not your fault. Like I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming me. But what I am saying is, man, let's, let's get a picture of God's heart through the image of Joseph's heart towards his brothers, because right. that's God's heart towards you right now. So, so here's one of the things that I see about Joseph reflecting God's heart towards us. Uh, the very next chapter, the episode that we actually get to talk about next is, is um, at least in the Bible, titled Joseph Tests His Brothers. And so mm-hmm. in this moment, when Joseph sets the feast, when Joseph decides to make sure that their feet are washed, when Joseph is pouring out his blessing on them and his compassion is just overflowing towards his brothers— he actually doesn't have clarity in his human mm. sense. Like he doesn't have clarity as to, are they repentant? Are yeah. they going to pass the test? And yet even in the middle of all that, Joseph's heart is moved towards mm. them. And it's just like that. Jesus is washing the feet of every disciple. And yet the difference is Jesus knows that one of them will fail and he yeah. still has compassion on that individual. And I just think it's so interesting how, how for a lot of us, I would imagine if when we were kids, we had bad relationships with our brothers. And then when we got a little bit older, you know, there was some fighting and some, you know, just bickering. And then and then in, in a stroke of luck, they sold you into slavery and you were in prison for several years. Chances are you're not going to be so stoked about the family reunion until you know that they have turned their lives around and are mm. deeply, deeply sorrowful for what they have done and are, mm. and are willing to do anything that they possibly can to make it up to you. Like there's going to be, and I don't fault people for this because I think it's a self-preservation act, right? But like, mm-hmm. there's going to be some level of like, no, you got to jump over this wall. You got to go through the hoops before yeah. I'm willing to have compassion on you. And yet, Joseph's like, yo, this is just the default. This is where I'm at right now. Yeah. And this is maybe, this is a question that I'm guessing we're not going to answer today because it's a part of the next episode. But sure. I challenge you to answer it in the next episode is, then what is the point of the testing? Because I think more often than not, we see God's testing. We're like, oh, well, he wants to know if we're faithful so that then he can know how to interact with us or how to feel towards us or how to view us. But if you're, if what you're saying is true, which I believe it is like Joseph's heart was already compassionate towards them. Like he didn't need to test them in order to know whether or not he cared about them. He knows like he literally can't even control it. He cries (laughs) about it. No laughing, Justin, no laughing. My bad, my bad, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, like that question, I would love to, I'm going to listen to the next episode because I want to know the answer and I'm sorry if I'm giving you a hard hard question. (laughs) I wrote it it down in my notes for whoever takes the next episode. We haven't assigned it to anyone yet. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see who gets where the, where the, the lots fall on this one. Yeah. Yeah. What is the point of that testing? Because I think it goes again to our hearts is like, why does it, why does it mm. often seem like there may be testing from God in our lives hmm. if it's not? So l- l- let me venture a guess, because I don't know, maybe we yeah. won't get there in the next episode. So l- l- let's go ahead and allow this episode to bleed <laughs> through just a little bit. Yeah. If l- from the perspective of the brothers, they are operating from a framework of guilt and condemnation mm-hmm. and just fear and anxiety, right? So uh, in, in, in maybe in a certain sense, God knows that they have changed when they don't know that they have changed because for them, yeah. they're still attempting to atone for everything. Mm-hmm. And so maybe one of the values, maybe one of the, the, the utilities of this test is to give them a moment where they now get to put into action what their heart has already been transformed into. And so, so yes, in order for them to, to quote unquote pass this test, some, some kind of transformation needs to take place on the inside. But I don't know if you've ever felt like this has been the case for you, but have you ever uh, um, not seen 
the results or, of the transformation that's been promised to you, where God says you're yeah. different, your heart's new, but you're like, is it? Is it really? Because I'm still feeling afraid. I'm still feeling condemned. I'm still feeling a certain way. But mm. then in a moment, like in, in the pressing, when, 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 when the flesh would have come out initially in, in, in this new way, now that there's a, this quote unquote test, you are actually surprised in the way that God has been faithful in keeping the promise to you in how you've been living transformed. Have you ever had a moment like that? Mm. Yeah, I think I have. And, and I think of recently I've been journeying with this young guy in my church. And I don't know if he listens to this podcast. Maybe I'll, I think I've told him about it some, but his name is Bo. He's a fantastic guy. I love Bo. Tyler's met him too. Tyler, like there, he's just, a, he's just such a great young guy. And I remember um, maybe like a month into us kind of journeying through the Bible together, he was like, I just feel like I'm not transformed, all these mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so then I, and he, and he gave some examples. Like, I still did this. I still felt this way. And then I asked him a few questions that were basically like, so do you still like, like that you do that? Like, do you still see that as like, a gift of who you are, like these, like all these things. And he's like, no, I, I don't want them and all this stuff. And I was like, great. What so then you're telling again? me that your heart's been transformed. There you go. Fantastic. There you go. And yeah, it was like this moment of realization of, wow. yeah, like my heart has, oh wait, it's been transformed. Nice. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. So, so maybe, maybe the reason why like this happens is one, just because Joseph doesn't know, but like on, on a grander, maybe more kind of parable level, it's that now they have an opportunity to realize that there has been transformation, that that maybe there's something about when when that one brother's like, no, 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 take me instead, take me instead, take me instead, like how the, the cartoons play it out. Like yeah. that's a that's a culminating moment. That's a moment that everyone gets to look back on, maybe in hindsight, even get to laugh about how that all played out and just the 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 the, the irony of it all and just the way that it all climaxed in this beautiful story. Like there's redemption and and so maybe there's there's value in that. And maybe that's why God allows mm. us to go through moments where there's a quote unquote test. Yeah, and I'd be I'd be interested to do a study, and maybe you would too, and listeners, if you've already done it. Great. Let us know in the comments what you found. How many times does God test someone who he knows is faithful versus how many times does he test someone who he knows is not? Does he ever actually test someone and they fail? Or is God's testing always directed towards the faithful to bring about more faithfulness like you're saying? Yeah. I would be I would be curious because it doesn't seem like God actually needs to test people to know whether or not they believe in him. Like yeah, he, he already I knows. mean, he knows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And maybe testing is always for the the betterment of those who are being tested. Like, I don't know. This is not me saying like, this is a biblical truth that I'll stand by because I haven't done the study. But it's a question that I have because right now when I think of people who were tested, they are always people who actually benefit from the testing. Right. right. I can't think of someone who like God tests and then they fail and he's like, gotcha. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Sucks to suck. Yeah. You thought you could pass? Well, you can't. Like, I've never, I don't, I don't, I can't, I'm not thinking of any scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you don't have an answer for this last question, then I feel like our episode's going to have a very awkward close. And it might be that, but I feel like <laughs> it's worth the risk to ask the question because I don't know what to make out of this. But verse 32 talks about how uh, they served Joseph by himself and and them, the, the brothers by themselves, the Egyptians who ate with Joseph by themselves. And then it's a long story. And then there's this line, the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that's an abomination to the Egyptians. What? Mm. Why is that there? That's weird. 
Yeah, I don't 100% know, but I would guess it has something to do with their spiritual, uh, their like faith tradition at that time. Where I mean, they were serving people, things like Ra and the Pharaoh and all of the, like Horus, all of these gods. And maybe the fact that these Hebrews are like, no, there's one God. They're like, no, we can't. Like, And there might even be a level of like, they only eat foods that have been like dedicated to these gods, like especially like high up in these religions. Like often they're like fully dedicated to these practices. And so maybe that the Hebrews would be like, well, we can't eat anything that's dedicated to your God. And like, well, we can't eat anything that's de- not dedicated to our God. I mean, there might have been like, huh. yeah, religious practices that are butting heads, but that's what I would guess. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll go with that guess. And if anyone has a better <laughs> yeah. answer than Pastor Ben, who spent time <laughs> yeah. at the seminary, I would very much like to know if you would let us know in the comments below. And maybe, hey, yeah. we'll have you as one of the guests on the future episode of The Movie. Yeah, let's Pastor do Pastor Ben's just dropping the ball when it comes to that last question. <laughs> when it comes to ancient Near Eastern religions, I'm dropping the ball and, I, and I'll own that. I'll own that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I'm so glad that we get to hang out together. Ben, thanks so much for, the, for hanging out today on this episode of The Move. 